<laughs> so my name is Alexandria Wood, and I'm here interviewing my grandparents, Helmut and Gerda Doling. Um, and I'm, I'm asking them questions about how our family immigrated to the United States. Um, and let's get started with you, Opa. Um, so where did your parents originally come from? Uh, my parents were married in Dresden, which is in the province of Saxony in Germany, uh, which is just north of Czechoslovakia. Czechoslovakia. And um, how, like, what was their li what were their lives like growing up? Well, my father. Uh, was an orphan, kind of. Uh, he was raised by his grandmother and uh, until he was about, oh, I guess about 13. And then uh, she died and he was put on uh, into a home, a uh, foster home. And he didn't like it, so he and a friend decided to run away and left uh, the smaller town that they had been living in, a place called Painish, Germany, and they ran away to, to, to the capital city of Dresden. And uh, he got some jobs working as a waiter and uh, uh, in some of the local restaurants there and he lived with his friend and uh, until World War I started and he was drafted into the German army. That was the year? Uh, in 1915. Oh, 15. 15. And 19. by the time 16 was, he was at the front, yeah. Okay, 16, yeah, that was 18. Yeah. Okay. And my mother, uh, she was born in a small town just north of Dresden, a place called Lumnitz, and her father was the village baker. And uh, she helped in the family a little bit. Uh, uh, they had a dog that was a delivery, delivery truck <laughs> that delivered the bread to the customers. <laughs> Uh, when my mother was about, uh, I don't know, six or seven, uh, uh, tragedy struck the family. Uh, our mother was killed, uh, and that ended that. And then uh, at, at the time that World War I began, her father died of tuberculosis, and uh, her older sister took over the bakery with her husband. She had been married already. So uh, during World War I, she lost her brother on the front and uh, several other of her siblings, uh, uh, children and so forth were killed during that war. Okay, got some more questions? Yes. Um, why? So why did they decide to immigrate to the United States? Uh, 
And my, when did they make this my decision? My mother, in about uh, 19, uh, after the mother's passing and the father's passing, uh, were not treated as well by the older sister. And uh, a couple of them went to Dresden. Uh, and they were met on the street by LDS missionaries. And she decided to join the church and uh, was baptized and was a single girl in the ward. At the same time, my father had returned from the war and uh, he was working on a roofing project and uh, one of the members of the church was there, was trying to convert people on the top of the roof. And he wasn't doing a very good job. So my father started studying the scriptures and converted himself. Really? And he was a single man in that ward. And you know, when two people get together and they're both single in the ward, you know what the other ward members are going to do? <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Well, within about a year, they were married. They were married in 1922. And uh, things were pretty tough in Germany after World War I. Uh, large reparations uh, were demanded by the English and the French, which uh, put a heavy tax burden on all of the people. And uh, so they were looking for a better place to live. Uh, they had some friends that had moved to uh, the United States from the church, and so they were sponsored by a, a member that there was, had been a good friend and uh, invited them to come to New York City. Uh, in the meantime, they had had one child and uh, my father saved and scrimped and got enough money to come over. And in 1927, in December, they crossed on a ship called the Columbus. And uh, they arrived in New York City and they were told not to come to Utah because if they couldn't speak English, they wouldn't get a job. We were just getting started with the uh, Great Depression here in this country. So they stayed in New York City, and I grew up in New York City. And my dad worked at a bakery called the Bond Bread Factory. In fact, in 1930, the year I was born, they sliced the first bread that was ever sliced in this country. Really? And, and packaged <laughs> in a, a, like Wonder Bread is now. So uh, they had a ward there, and it was an, a German-speaking ward, but they were supposed to uh, speak English on it because it was an English-speaking ward. <laughs> <laughs> but everybody was German, practically, that went to that ward. So I grew up uh, first learning German, and then when I went to school, uh, the kindergarten teacher had to teach us English 
and I'm talking about us because half the people in New York City were from Italy, Poland, uh, Russia. Uh, we were from all over uh, displaced people that had come over to this country. And uh, the teachers were really making everybody teaching, uh, talk English. So I learned English as my second language in kindergarten. Were the other immigrants that had traveled to the U.S., did they come for similar reasons, um, be just because of the Better economic situation in this country, yes. Most of them were. But, as I said, we were. We were right in the middle of the Great Depression, so they didn't get much of a advantage. But there's a neat little story about my mother when she came over here. Uh, and that was that uh, she loved bananas. And in Dresden, when they were living there, because of the high taxes and everything, bananas were very expensive. For one banana, you would have to pay one mark, which is their equivalent of a dollar. And uh, when she came over to New York City, uh, she gave a quarter to the vendor of the bananas vendor who was out on the street selling bananas. And for that quarter, he gave her 25 bananas and three or four <laughs> overripe ones to boot. <laughs> and she thought she had gone to paradise. <laughs> Seriously, she told us that story. <laughs> uh, in about 1943, uh, my dad decided to come to Utah anyway, even though he, he had learned quite a bit of English and he had gained his citizenship, and so had my mother. Uh, but he thought he could get a job now in Utah uh, because it was during the war and there was a shortage of men. Well, he didn't get a good job right off the bat, but he finally found a job with Sears Roebuck and uh, worked in their uh, uh, department where they uh, stored things. And uh, when we crossed the plains, the speed limit during the World War II was 35 miles an hour. So it took us five days and five nights to cross on a Greyhound bus. And I can truly say I crossed the plains. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I remember going through Nebraska and I thought it would never end. That's the longest state. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> that road trip um, to Ohio um, that I took with Matt and Megan. Yeah. Nebraska just went on and on and on. <laughs> and we left Omaha at midnight. We got to Cheyenne, Wyoming on the other side of the state at six o'clock that next day. So we were 18 hours on the road. Oh my goodness. I thought it would never end. <laughs> and how, so it sounds like you were about 13 when you moved to Utah then? Yes. And I enrolled in West High School. Uh, 
my sister was uh, a little older than I was and she had just about graduated so she just went to work and my younger sister was also a long distance away from me about five or six years and she was just ready to start in the first grade okay. so you started West High School in the seventh grade uh, I started in junior high school Jackson uh, junior high school oh okay And I knew some things that those kids didn't, and they knew some things that I didn't because of the difference in the schooling system. And I had a tough time getting adjusted. Uh, my sister didn't have sisters didn't have that problem because they were one started and the other one had already finished. Yeah. <laughs> what did you find was the biggest difference between the two education systems? Education? Yeah. There were uh, teachers that really knew how to teach in New York City. They weren't that way in Salt Lake at all. There were a few of them. Uh, I can tell you about my algebra teacher in, uh, in junior high school. Uh, I consider her a good teacher, but she said she had never learned algebra when she went to school. And so she said, we're learning it together. <laughs> Uh, I really started to learn to like school at West High School. They did have some good teachers there. But uh, as far as I'm concerned, Jackson Junior High School was a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> Most junior high schools are. <laughs> <laughs> How big was your graduating class? Uh, we had 700 in it. Uh, West High School was the oldest high school in the city. And uh, I uh, had a, a paper route at that time. And uh, I remember that when World War II ended, I sold papers on the street and made a mint. <laughs> I had a paper route. I started out with 68 papers and I ended up with a route of 330. Wow. So it grew very quickly. Yes. And in West High School, my two best friends were Carl Anselmo, who was of Italian descent, and Kenry Ueda, who was of Japanese descent, and we were known as the Axis Powers. <laughs> but we were well treated. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't grab their names. Can you say those again? Huh? Will you um, repeat their names? Kenry Ueda was the Japanese one. And Carl uh, Anselmo. A-N-S-E-L-M-O. We lived out on Redwood Road. We had to walk a mile to the bus, so mostly I just ran to town. And I ran the mile for the West High School. So why <laughs> did you live on, on the, so far away from everything? Uh, there was a house available. My, that was the only house my father could afford. <laughs> And then, um, 
So you started college, um, and when did you serve your mission? Okay, what happened was that uh, uh, after I got graduated from high school, one of my teachers there said I should go into pre-med, and he got me a job working at the uh, University of Utah in the cafeteria. And I peeled a lot of potatoes. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I learned how to cook carrots on a steamer. And uh, I worked in the cadaver room at the medical school there. Uh, then... What did you do in the cadaver room? I just cleaned up. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't get to do any of the dissections? <laughs> no, they wouldn't let me do that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I told you about my trouble prior to this uh, there were so many people in pre-med that they were uh, trying to cut out most of them so that they wouldn't get you would have to get at least a, a 3.6 average in order to get into med school and they were trying to put so many seeds in there that you could never get that. Uh, I stepped out of school uh, and uh, was drafted into the U.S. Army during the Korean conflict. And I spent two years there. What when year I, did you get drafted? 1951, April 9th. April 10th. I'm sorry, I got out April 9th. That was my two years. <laughs> <laughs> what did you learn um, serving in the military? Uh, in the military, I served as a uh, MOS for a tank driver. That's a military occupational uh, specialty. Yeah. And uh, at one time, I didn't have to serve directly in the combat zone because uh, my first sergeant at one time, I was uh, on TDY with West Pointers teaching them our equipment. Uh, we were on an M1 tank and uh, we were putting on shows for them. And uh, the ward, uh, I mean, the uh, company clerk decided to go on vacation <laughs> and he had accrued a lot of vacation so he had the right to go and uh, the first sergeant couldn't type and I could so I told him that I'd get up early and uh, I would type his uh, report for him before I went to the West Pointers and uh, when I came back that evening uh, I would just go to sleep the next morning. I would make up the morning report. I did this for a month. And while this uh, other, uh, well, this uh, company clerk was away, I was doing his work for him, essentially. The, the first sergeant was so happy with that that my name had come up for Korea. He crossed it off and put the other clerk on it. <laughs> uh -huh. True story. <laughs> uh -huh. 
and I stayed in Texas for the whole time. Uh, it would be interesting if I'd have gone to Korea, I would probably be dead because there was 90% rate of death on that M1 tank. That we would go behind the enemy lines and of course we were the ones that they would like to shoot first because we were directing the artillery fire into the enemy. But I didn't have to go. Okay, I got out and went to the University of Utah again, <laughs> this time as a geologist. <laughs> I got my bachelor's degree in 56 and went on my mission right afterwards, two and a half years to Germany, because I could speak German. And when I came back, there were no jobs left open in geology. Uh, and so I decided, well, I might as well get an advanced degree. And uh, by 1964, I earned my PhD and uh, went down to Texas with the family as a professor at uh, Midwestern University in Wichita Falls, Texas. I didn't like teaching, so when I got an opportunity to come back to Utah, worked at the Utah Geological Association. Uh, service, yeah. I accepted it and I've been working with them until I retired and then I worked with them for nothing until today. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that. <laughs> Okay, what else do you want to know? Um, why, so what has been your favorite part about being a geologist? Um, why do you keep coming back every day? <laughs> I love the field. I like being out in the field and doing research out there, finding things, uh, studying what made the area what it is today, making maps, uh, I wrote, uh, my early in my career, I've been in 2,000 abandoned mines and uh, mapped them, and the state used my information to seal them all off afterwards, and that made me mad. <laughs> and mm. I wrote uh, uh, three monographs on Utah coal, which during my lifetime, a lot of it's been mined out. Uh, I sat on the wells that uh, uh, made the Southern Utah Fuel Company mine in Sevier County, which became the largest mine that has ever produced coal in the state of Utah. Uh, I worked out their reserves, some 250 million tons, which they now have pretty well mined out. They're still working, uh, producing about five or six million tons a year. Wow. That's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else you want to know about me? Um, uh, I did start the mapping program at the Utah Geological Survey. I went up and told the legislature they better get one or they're going to lose out. Uh, 
I said that they had a program of getting the topographic maps and paying for them from the USGS. And I said that uh, they were getting something like a 10 to 1 return on it. And I said they'd get 100 to 1 on my maps. So I, I mapped something like uh, 200 maps for the state. So how much do you think I'm worth? <laughs> I don't think I could even guess, honestly. I earned the uh, uh, technology, what do they call that? I'll have to look at that dumb thing. Oh, what's this? Yeah, governor's... Um... Medal for Science and Technology back in uh, 1993. And I have recognition of having served the state for 65 and more years. My last map that I turned in was last year in November. And I'm working on another one. I have literally mapped 40% of the state. Alrighty, Oma. So tell me a little bit about your parents. My parents. Okay. Um, they are both from East Prussia, Germany. Which doesn't uh, exist anymore. Yeah, which is Poland now. And um, my father was from right by the Russian border and my mother was in Elbing. Later on, my father uh, worked as a... Um, well, he was in the German army first. Oh, oh, yeah, he was in the German army when he was... Oh, the funny thing was the, um, the war, First World War ended 1918, and he just was old enough to start. So your father was old enough and he got wounded in, in 1915 or 16. My father was just old enough in 1918, I think it was. And then you said he worked, where did he work after that? No, he, first of all, he got wounded and lost his leg. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to say. It was since he was drafted so late in the war, he had to fight to the end, you know. And uh, just on the last week of the uh, First World War, he was wounded. And uh, yeah, they, uh, and I think it, all the German soldiers went home who could go. But then there were some who were wounded and they should have taken better care of the wounded, you know? Well, sometimes they didn't find him for a day. Yes, maybe they, they didn't find him. So he was kind of left stranded and... Yeah. Yes, and it's because the war was over now and that he was in France. Your father um, worked in France and my father 
the war, World War, World War One, took place in France, mm -hmm. not in Germany. Uh, World War Two took place in, in Germany. Germany. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. And then. And and then he couldn't be a farmer anymore. Oh, he? yes. And that is his big, what is big problem. My father likes to work in the garden. He likes to plant, to uh, be outside, you know. Trees, uh, plants, uh, whatever. He never talked much about animals, so I guess he didn't like animals. I don't know. <laughs> never talked about well, I don't think they had any, so. What? I don't think they had any. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so he liked, but he liked the plants, and he liked yeah, growing he liked, them. Yeah, he liked um, the work as as a farmer to be outside to do the planting, and uh, took it well. I mean, they had to do everything, uh, cut. Um, so they what? had to be self sufficient. Oh yes, right, right, right. That during that time. They had some machinery, but I guess he didn't have everything. So, but after he came back from the war, he couldn't do farming anymore. He couldn't. Well, he uh, he had an artificial leg, and um, well, I think he walked pretty much pretty good when he was a young man. But yeah. later on, he had a hard time walking. Okay. Uh, so what did so um, what did he work as then after? Um, was he a farmer after World War One? No. See, oh, the thing was also this his um, his parents were dead. They had a farm, but they lost the farm in the Great Depression or whatever came. Yeah. They lost the but farm. The reparations that the Germans had to pay. Yes, so. they lost the farm, and he had really had no place to go. So yeah. what did he do? Um, he worked for this outfit. He, he really, um, since he liked to be outside, like farming, he worked for um, Gutsbesitzer. Yeah, well, that would be... Uh, a kind of a commercial farm. Yes, and he worked as a bookkeeper there. And he worked, I think that was his main job for many years. And then he um, went accused. to jail. <laughs> well, he was accused of. Yeah, he was accused of, uh, of uh, yes, horses uh, stealing with horses and, and books and so on. And he was put in jail. Untersuchungshaft, that's when they have to wait for their trial. Okay? Okay. And so during that time, he, now they let these people free. But at that time, they had to be in jail. And then the uh, warden, of, of the jail where he was in. He was a member of the church and he um, saw my father praying and uh, uh, was <laughs> being different than the other prisoners, okay? So he gave him the Book of Mormon and stopped to read, which he read right away. And uh, so 
with a shushka bottom washed up to read and um, so he was converted in the jail and uh, so he um, I don't know why he went to El Bank. No, no, no. He was in. Uh, I, I know the story. I read it, and uh, he was up in Königsberg, which is the uh, is where he uh, was doing this bookkeeping work or for the commercial farm, and he was proven innocent. Uh, and uh, when he was released, he started going to church up there, and. Uh, they needed a branch president down in this town where her mother lived. In Edbank, yes. And uh, so and they thought he would be a good leader and he would be able to take over that branch. But he wasn't married. <laughs> and here was this pretty little girl. <laughs> uh, her mother... Uh, she came, she, uh, through a girlfriend, became interested in the church. And so she uh, was already in the, attending this little branch. And so when he arrived again, they tried to put these two together. Yes. And they yes. succeeded. Um, yeah. <laughs> they said the French president needs a wife, okay? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So he was a branch president of that, uh, of that, it, well, it's the size of a ward at that time, but they didn't have wards in anywhere except in the United States branches, branches. at that time. So <clears throat> he was the head of it, and that's how they started. And they got, they got married and yeah, started got, their family. Got married in 1930, and so we went, we lived there in East Russia, when the war started and when uh, the war took place and um, what? <laughs> Can you tell Are me you... a little bit more about your mom? Oh, oh. Um, my, my, uh, my mother's father died before World War Two, one, before World War One. Or was it before that? Anyhow, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, my my mother's mother was a, a widow. So um. But she had a lot of girls for. Yeah, she <laughs> she had at least five girls. <laughs> <laughs> and they were very, they were very close, and uh, oh, and then see my mother became a member of the church. And she converted all of her sisters. But uh, let's see. Two, she got two from the five sisters. She got two, two converted, and then one converted later on. So she converted three of her sisters. Okay, um, after the Second World War, we became refugees, okay? So my life really started being a refugee. No, um, you didn't tell, tell them what, what, what happened on the day that you were baptized. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, you know, at that time, um, 
we were baptized out in a, a special a, a sea in a little river in the sea and um, when uh, and that was um, in August 1939 yeah. 1939 okay and um, so so I we, we went out uh, there to get me baptized and uh, in the river there yeah yeah and uh, there were a lot of uh, german soldiers around a lot of german soldiers and um, the next day the second world war started that was the 31st of august on the 1st of september the germans um, moved into poland took over Poland, I mean, <laughs> there wasn't really no fight between Pol Poland and Germany, <laughs> because they were just taken over, okay? <laughs> yeah. But uh, they were all watching when, when she was baptized. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sounds like quite an eventful baptism. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. okay, so I was baptized now. <laughs> so you're baptized. Well, yeah. anyway, the war ended after the, you know, she... Well, yes, the war ended. The, okay, I said in the First World War, it took place in France and Russia and so on. The Second World War took place in Germany. The just the Russians came in and... The, well, there's a little, another little bit more to that story, too. About a year before uh, the end of the war, yeah. Uh, her father got the uh, the premonition to move out. They take the family out to the country, and so they moved uh, to the west uh, to a Pomerania. Pomerania. Yeah. Uh, What's the Pomerania. name of the town? Yeah, Pomerania. Yeah. Uh, on the day that the Russians came in, there was the siege of Elbing, and the building in which they had been living was demolished by the uh, Russians. Uh, her mother and how many sisters died in yeah, that? Yeah, my, my grandmother and the two sisters and uh, three cousins or so, they all died in the... Um, siege of Albania. Yes. Oh, that was a three-week siege. That was the last big fight. Yeah. The, on that side, yeah. Yeah, on the on the eastern side, the last big fight. And after three weeks, um, uh, well, the Russians took over, and um, and so we had. But see, my family, my father and um, uh, family, we lived in in Bobese. We did not uh, farming community. Yeah. We did not live in Edding anymore because of my father. Uh, and you know, my Crystal, Crystal Beiler's husband, he was a high political man in the Hitler party. And he said, your father was so smart. He knew that the world was, uh, that, <laughs> that, that the soldiers would come in. He knew that that house uh, was, uh, 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 what was it? Uh, and they were so amazed. He also got a house built over there. 
during the war, which was practically impossible. Wow. I mean, he was a good organizer, you know. So, yes, they could not. They, they tried to get him, you know, to do something for the Nazi party. So. Yes, he did such a good job. I mean, he was organized somehow. They wanted my father be in charge of, of um, building a, that was Behefsheim, just a contingent places. I mean, that, yeah. was, that was just that people could stay there for a short time. Yeah. For a short time, they wanted him to do that, <laughs> and the, uh, because uh, yeah, and like I said, this high official and Christelsmann. He uh, he thought my my fa my father was very smart to to move out of that house, but he was smart. He just followed the spirit because he was told. <laughs> yeah, so? yeah. So he was not smart. He was had an inspiration that we should move out of that was My mother, who was pregnant with a sixth child and five children. I was the oldest. And how old was I? I was eight eight years when the war started. So I, by that time, by the war was over, I was uh, maybe 13 or 14 or so. <laughs> Complicated, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but, yeah. but that, that house was destroyed and the, all the people, 30 people, died, um, persuaded and buried alive. were buried alive when the, the house fell down on them, you know. Yeah. But then the Russians did come in, so. Yes, yeah. but then the Russians did come in and and also when we lived in Bobiste, it was also on the way, on the Russian uh, occupation and we we moved out of there see we, we um went to um well, yes we went to school yeah <laughs> the church had a refugee camp so okay so we became refugees okay so where was the refugee camp what it's, where was it's there? called Wolfsgrün. w-o-l-f-s-g-r with an umlaut u-n you know how to make the omelet you on that thing? I don't. <laughs> uh, it, uh, what, it, what, I don't know. But it's one of the two uh, two dealers. You have to touch it and then touch your uh, you. Alt you. And then touch the you again if you need it. Has he got it? I don't think so. Well, then use the other one. What do you mean use it? Uh... Let me see if I can. What kind of a computer is that? It's not I don't a know. Mac. Is it a PC? It's not a Mac. I mean, is um, it a PC? It's a PC, yeah. Okay, it's just the opposite of the Mac. Yeah. Uh, are we? Oh, we are. We were in that refugee camp. Yes. Yeah. Yes, and in, in the Ore Mountain, and we stayed there for a while. And um, and that so that my mom East my mom always tells me the story of your I think it was your fourteenth birthday. Oh yes, yeah. Fifth, would you fifteenth birthday? Fifteenth birthday. Yes. Oh yes, yes. That's I would love the, to hear that one there. again. Yeah. Yes. Uh, 
Um, I celebrated my 15th birthday in Wolfsgrün, in the refugee camp. And um, in that camp, we um, had, the, had the older people eat uh, um, in the same room, the kids in the same room, and um, the teenagers in the same room, on, uh, another room on a, on a big table, uh, sitting on a big uh, beside the big table. And then on my birthday, uh, I uh, noticed that my girlfriend didn't eat her bread. And we, yes, we got just one piece of bread. We got a bowl of soup or something and a piece of bread. She didn't eat a piece, a piece of bread. And after the dinner, she came to me and said happy birthday and gave me her bread. This is an interesting story, isn't it? Yeah. It's one of got my favorites, actually. Yes, <laughs> I got a piece of bread for my 15th birthday. Uh, and that was just really, it was uh, not a slice of bread with butter and jam. Or, it was just a crust, crust of bread, really. Yeah. Maybe, uh, it's you were only given one a day, so <laughs> one one um, one slice or one one crust <laughs> a day. And that was that was your favorite birthday present. That was my yes, it was. I mean, she gave me her bread. I couldn't be it. <laughs> <laughs> I um, think that's a really hard one to be. Yeah. <laughs> It's Rosa Eichler. What was her name? Rose. 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 In Germany they call her Rosa, but Rose, I guess. Rose, yeah. And uh, oh, she her name was Eichler, but then she came. She married here a man by the name of Wood, but you're not related to him. <laughs> <laughs> she was Rose Wood. Okay. <laughs> Did she end up in Utah too? It was. Did she end up oh, in Utah too? Oh yes, too? She, she came here before she got, and she died already, I told you that, huh? Yeah. Uh -huh. She, she died. Just maybe two years ago or so. All right, and so why did your family choose to move to Utah? Okay, we had lost our home in, in Ebbing. It was bombed out. We had really, we had no place to go. And we had the opportunity to come over, and we did come over. This was for Beehive class. Yeah, yeah, find me, find me. You're right there. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And my sister, Rita, by the way, the end. Yeah. Don't know if I can. Right oh, okay. That's your sister. It's the Aisha Rosa, that? Oh, yeah. Rosa. The hair. You can tell with the hair. Rosa, right here, behind okay. me. Rosa. And they, afterwards, they moved to West Germany. They had an opportunity to get over to West yeah, Germany. Yeah, first, yes. That was an important thing. We had the opportunity to move to West Germany because that camp was in East Germany. And uh, we lived there in a refugee branch, really. Uh, uh, Every member of that branch had had 
was a refugee, yes. So we lived there for, ah. Uh, uh, oh, until you left in 53, wasn't it? Yes, yes, that was seven or eight years, eight years, let's say it was eight years we lived there. And then, uh, see, uh, yes, we had, a, because we didn't have a home, a real home, so uh, we took the chance to come over. In 1958, you said? 1953. 1953. On July 4th, they arrived in Salt Lake City, Utah. Yes, that was nice too, huh? <laughs> <laughs> We've been going to so many reunions on that day. <laughs> That's our July 4th. And what was life like once you moved to Utah? Oh, <laughs> oh no, first we had to learn English, you know. And uh, we went to night school um, in West High. They had night school, so we had to learn uh, English. And I think in my patriarchal blessing, it says I would learn the language fast and fluently, okay? So, I speak English fluently. <laughs> yes. And uh, what was Utah like? Oh, uh, first, um, the weather. I mean, the, the mountains really always live by the sea, so it was a flat land, but here it was the mountains. And it was hot. Hotter than in Germany. Yeah, and we finally could buy what we want and what we need. Okay? <laughs> that was not so in Germany. We not able to do that, in the war especially. What were some other things that you enjoyed when you got to move here when we got to <clears throat> to move to utah oh um we still like to be with the germans together and they had every month there was a, a german meeting once a month there was a german meeting um on temple square and at the assembly hall and just yeah we went there to speak german sure did it kind of make you feel like a community because you yes. had all these people around you that were just yes. like you again? Yes, yes. It was a, the community who helped us get yeah. adjusted to. Nicht wahr? Das ist doch so gewesen. Yeah, get yeah, us yeah. Ad, adjusted to See. The America. <laughs> <laughs> Entiendo. <laughs> okay. Okay, now, it was very important in my life, I always did genealogy. My father was kind of a genealogist. I helped him with his uh, copying his records. And then um, later on, oh, we went a lot to the family history library to do some genealogy on the Shabinsky knoblauch line. And then you got a job there, didn't you? Oh, yes. And I, I yeah, that's why I brought that up. Uh, I got a job there and it has been 
always was interested in genealogy. And then, um, yeah, we lived in Salt Lake when we married. We lived in Salt Lake City first. Then we went to um, Wichita Falls, Texas for Okay, well, you better finish up. And there you went on a mission. You didn't even mention that. Oh, I didn't mention how <laughs> I, where I met him. I know more about yeah. her than she does. <laughs> so tell me about your mission then. Why did you decide to go? Um, that was in uh, 58, 50, 57. It was in 57. And um, yeah, it took a while to get ready and so on. And... Uh, when I left, it was in October 57. Yeah. What made, were, I left in October 56. What made you decide to go? On a mission? Yes. Uh, I think when I was a child, I always wanted to go on a mission. But uh, then later on, I uh, maybe I was bored. I don't know. <laughs> I was glad I went on a mission back to Germany. Okay. And if I'm right, that's where you guys met, right? Well, we saw each other. Let's let's put it that way. The story is is that I was uh, because I could speak German. I could speak better than most of any other elder over there because I had learned it. And so the mission president Start, started to have an MTC in Berlin. And he would invite uh, two missionaries uh, over in the morning, and he'd have two new missionaries for them to go on splits. And I would teach them the first lesson in the morning, and then they would go out with their companion and uh, uh, in the afternoon and try out that first lesson. You understand what I'm saying, kind of? So you would teach them the first lesson in German, and then you'd go out with them? No, and they, uh, their companion would go out with them, and if they got in trouble, their companion was supposed to bail them out. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. She came over during that time that I was doing that MTC. We decided that she didn't need it. She could speak German already. <laughs> so they just sent her out. And that was kind of the last I heard of her. Okay, I was released about, uh, let's see, it was May 1960, something like that. No, 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 1959, right? 57. Yeah. 59. Yeah, 57, I went on a mission, 59, yeah. I yeah. came back. And then she was released, and by that time I was a scoutmaster in uh, uh, my ward in Salt Lake. And uh, I went to the State Street to pick up some compasses for the boys. And I walked out of the out of the uh, hawk shop where I got those. And she was walking down State Street. State Street in Salt Lake City. And I picked her up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I I just was so new home. I didn't have given hadn't given my 
And so she put up the sob story, I don't know how to do this, would you help me? <laughs> I didn't know, I had to give a talk. I knew I had to give a talk. Two months later, we were engaged. <laughs> I think we started going out in September, wasn't it, or something like that? Um, uh, yeah, I came home at the end of August, I yeah, think. Yeah, September. And it was in And she had gone back up to the genealogical society where she had worked. Mm -hmm. She picked up her job again. And then she was coming down Main Street as I was coming out of a hawk shop. And yeah, the State I, Street I just, and Salt Lake City. You were on a mission, weren't you? <laughs> <laughs> Over there. And well, I have to give a talk. My homecoming talk. Yes, huh? and so, uh, yeah. We got together and then it started going out steadily, of course, and so. And two months And two of months dating, we were engaged. We didn't get married until, because I had to have time to work to pay for the ring. Gotcha. I didn't have any money. Um, so we got married in May after that. See, this was about November when I asked of you and. Uh, uh, 59, yeah. Yeah, and 60, 60 of May we got married, so that was it. And I was kind of unusual, you know, I got my degree and I would have gotten a real good job in geology because petroleum geologists were in demand when I left, but when I got back, they, were, they didn't need any. So I had to go back to school again. I wouldn't have gotten my PhD. You know, had are I you gone, glad that you got your PhD? I got my PhD afterwards. I got my bachelor's degree before. And right after I got my bachelor's degree, I went on a mission. I got it in June of 56, my bachelor's, and, and, 64. Uh, and in October I was on my way to Germany, so. But in 64, Jeff was a baby, then we went to Texas. Well, we, we just got married, you got, you're hurrying oh, up yeah. too fast. <laughs> <laughs> if you were to do it all again, um, do you think you would get your PhD, or do you think um, that you would have just stuck with your bachelor's? I, I, I think that uh, the way things worked out, I'm glad it happened the way it did. Uh, I was wondering when I left afterwards whether I should have taken a job in uh, geology at that time and not go on a mission, but then I wouldn't have met her, so. I think it worked out well. Yeah, but weren't you glad you went on a mission? Yeah, well, afterwards, you know, it, it, tell, to tell you the truth, the mission was very hard for me. Uh, I went over there, I couldn't understand every word those people were saying that we were visiting. Uh, the other missionaries didn't. So I knew just what they were thinking. And uh, some of them were putting the pressure on like high, you know, and I didn't like it. I thought, well, if they really didn't, we shouldn't be forcing them to do it, you know. Mm -hmm. So I had some companion problems, you know, uh, when I went over there. And uh, my first uh, mission president uh, tried to get me out into the field and everything like that, but he couldn't figure out who was the kind of missionary that should have been out with me. <laughs> and so, uh, after the first year, they pulled me into Berlin and they had a change in mission, mission presidency. 
And he says, well, while we're figuring out what to do with you, we're going to have you do this MPC thing. Because I understood the gospel, I understood German. Uh, I just couldn't get along with any of the companions they'd given me. Except one, and he was released right afterwards. So. Bruder Franz. Oh, yeah. He was very good, yeah. He was very good. Uh, the first one, he was too pushy. Too pushy. I didn't like it. And one of them, he would always stamp his feet to get the dust off of his shoes when he left somebody when they didn't let him in. And they understood that. And I didn't think we were making friends for the church, you know. Yeah. To do that. Uh, so, but anyway, uh, hardest two years of my life, two and a half years of my life, but. Uh, well, very worthwhile. I learned a lot. I put out the, the missionary newspaper. I put out the newspaper for their members. In other words, their version of the unsigned. <laughs> I wrote it while I was in the mission home. That's the only place I... Uh, I think I had some responsibility in baptizing two people, uh, two families, I should say. One of them became a, a bishop, and the other one became the first council on the first stake ever made in Germany. Wow. Put a Honka. Put a Honka. Honka? Yeah. Well, in Langwitz, huh? In Langwitz, yeah. And so was the other one, Alphonse. Oh, Langwitz, yeah. Yeah. So, what else you want to know? <laughs> oh, you got me married to him, huh? Yes, and we so. got there. Um, okay, the first thing I did after that is I told her I was going to get a PhD. But she had $1,000 down for a house. She had it saved. Wow. And while I was busy digging up a few hundred bucks to get her ring. <laughs> 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 That's impressive, Oma. That's a lot of money to put down. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had, in fact, uh, I wouldn't have had the money if I hadn't borrowed to my father. My father wanted, what did he want? He wanted to buy a house or something. Yeah. And I lent him a thousand dollars. Was it a thousand? That's I don't it. know. I don't know. About but that and then how did he, he, I got the money back right when. We got married. Yeah. And we moved on to Sunnyside Avenue in Salt Lake. That's very just below East High School. And uh, it was right on the Wasatch Fault. So we had an active spring on it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, oh, that was interesting. Uh, she literally. Uh, Took care of the house and everything while I went out in the field and did my dissertation. And I did this huge area out there in the grassy mountains and the lakeside mountains. Yeah. And we had, uh, what, uh, three children while we were there. Well, I was getting my PhD. Yes, right, right, right. Three children. 
and uh, see what happens after that. Oh yeah, I got my PhD degree and there still weren't any jobs open and I just waited for the summer and then they put on a notice that they wanted a professor down in Texas. So we decided to go to Texas. And, and Doris came in the car in Texas <laughs> <laughs> while we were there. And uh, the house we lived in after we left, of course, was destroyed by a tornado. It was wow. called Tornado Alley. Uh, Wichita Falls, Texas. They had yeah. at least four or five come through every year. That's a lot of tornadoes. <laughs> <laughs> but it was also the place where the most millionaires lived in Texas. Every one of them had a rocker arm with oil coming out in their backyards, <laughs> except we were renting. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I taught, taught uh, two classes there. Two years of classwork, yeah. And then they, uh, I got a surprise uh, uh, telephone call from my old boss. He was paying me hardly anything for being uh, an uh, assistant geologist at the Utah Geological Survey. And he says, uh, and I worked for him during the summers, you know, when I was teaching. Yeah, yeah. And he says, you're the only one that turned anything in. I want to hire you. And I says, well, they're paying me good money down here. He says, what, how much do you want? And so I've added $2,000 to what I was earning. <laughs> and he got it for me. <laughs> 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 so I left and came back to Utah. I'm glad I did because I was stuck in the teaching position. And, but I was getting excited about uh, uh, getting a, a rock library going in, in at the university and a few other things that I could have done, but uh, I decided to go back anyway, and uh, I'm glad I did. Got the first job was uh, as a coal geologist, uh, and uh, yep, been doing it ever since. What? I've been working with them ever since. Yeah. All right. All right. And uh, when we came back, uh, we moved back into the house that we were living in before. My friend, who was getting his PhD, lived in it while I was gone. And he got married and he, he paid the rent and essentially the payment for the house. We weren't, didn't have it paid off yet. And so when we got back, we, we stayed, what, about a year? Or two or something mm -hmm. in that house. Uh, hmm. uh, On Sunnyside. Yeah, not even a year afterwards. Yeah. Maybe a year, but yeah. not longer. Maybe shorter. And uh, so we, in the ward they had a realtor and he had some land that he wanted to get rid of in, in uh, Davis County. So he took us up there. Uh, he showed me a bunch of property that, I thought, that I, if I had bought them, I would be a millionaire today. Because it's all like it was so prime, many prime building yeah. property, yeah. But there was no house on it yet. 
And he says, you ought to buy these. They're going to be great property later on. And I says, i got to have a house for the family. <laughs> and so he sold me a house. And I and thought I'd well. never be able to pay it off. It was just a huge... Uh, and then we had that car, Jimmy Carter came in, and we had a big inflation. And I paid off the house within 10 years, so... Yeah, you like the house in Centerville, didn't you? I do. Yes, it's I still nice do, to visit. too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm glad that Matt wanted to buy the house. Matt is so for Centerville. That's well, it's that's, a good place. It's a good place. Is. Well, the, the only, only thing is it was growing too fast. And I was too far away from where I worked. And uh, I didn't like the traffic. And I know that... In my old age now, I'm glad I moved. Yeah. It's, you know, getting in those traffic jams every day. I can go up there once in a while and I can drive it, but I wouldn't want to do it every day. Commute isn't worth it. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're, you're, you like Grantsville better than Salt Lake, I'm sure. Or are you? Oh, I, well, now I commute to um, St. George every day. You're going to I do. 